Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest is Ariana Walker, CEO of Mercy UK. Ariana, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you for having me. Delighted to have you. Now, you're what we call a PK kid, <laughs> preacher's kid, aren't you? Yes, well, uh, for the first 13 years of my life I was, yes. I was raised in Holland. My parents were pastors over there and missionaries as well, actually. They worked for Open Doors with Brother Andrew and uh, I actually spent my childhood uh, thinking I was on a holiday with my parents, but actually smuggling Bibles across Eastern Europe. Uh, that ages me, because that was behind the Iron Curtain, as we called it back then. And that was in a camper van. Camper van with one of those false uh, floors. And yes. about 2,000 Bibles, I think, we were taking all sorts of stories of uh, difficult situations that my parents had to pray their way through, which I was completely oblivious. I thought we were on a wonderful family holiday across Poland and Romania and Czechoslovakia, as it was called back then. But looking back now, as you remember those days, they must have been very exciting and adventurous. Yes. In fact, we stopped doing it when I got old enough to ask questions about why we were meeting people in the woods and why was Daddy in the camper van with these two men and what were they? What were all? What was in all the bags that they were packing up and putting in the car? So they decided I was way too inquisitive to um, not blow the cover. So Incredible. we stopped going when I was around ten, I think. Now, I gather you had an encounter with Jesus when you were like five. I did, yes. It was, uh, uh, you know, people have these amazing stories of, of, of meeting Jesus and, you know, th this was their life and then they met Jesus and then their life changed. For me, it's a bit, you know, I got saved when I was five and I know I did because my, my mum came up uh, to speak to me, I was crying. So she was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm crying because I know that Jesus loves me. And I think that was probably the first time I ever felt the presence of God and knew there was a God. And But then I got saved again when I was 12 and I got saved again when I was yes. 15. And then I yes. got saved every time there was a youth camp, I was saved again. No. So I think when you grow up as a Christian, you you it's so easy to just become familiar with the, the things of God and then not actually ever connect to God for yourself. So for me, it was a really important, and when I look back now, I'm so grateful that I didn't become too familiar with the things of God, with church, with the social aspect of it, but also really connected to, to Christ himself. Uh, I would never have been able to navigate no. my adult life without having that personal connection. Uh, you're currently the CEO of Mercy UK. I am. What is Mercy UK? Well, we are, a freedom ministry is probably the easiest way to describe us. We are experts in Christian mental health. We started in 2006 and um, with a home for young women with what we've called life controlling issues, eating disorders, self-harming, um, depression, the effects of abuse. And they would come from all over the UK and Europe and stay with us for six months, completely free of charge, to go through a Christ-centered um, program to to help deal with the issues that they were struggling with and so we, we did that for from 2006 right through to 2022. But what what inspired you? Well it actually it's a really incredible story I was in my tw 20s mid-20s or so uh, I, I, like I said I've been brought up in in the church I love Jesus but I really got to a point where I was feeling like there must be more you know, and I really prayed about it and I felt God say to me, uh, I want you to look at your life and see what you're growing. And I instantly saw this vision, this picture of roses. 
And I, and I said, I, th I think I'm growing roses. And God said to me, yes, you're right. You are growing roses. They look good and they smell good, but they don't feed anybody. And you can put just as much effort into growing crops that will feed someone and that's what's missing from your life. That sense of living for a greater purpose. And so that was going on in me when I was sitting in my church on a Sunday morning and, and a woman called Nancy Alcorn came and preached a message. She was all the way over from Tennessee and she talked about a ministry called Mercy and she described... Yeah, I know Nancy. You know I mean, Nancy. She is... She's phenomenal. She is. She's a tonic, isn't yes, she? Yes, and she was speaking yeah. with such anointing about the redemption and transformation of these young women. And literally I was sitting there completely transfixed like I was the only person in the room and just this fire started burning on the inside of me. And I thought, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be involved in. I had no idea what that would look like. And maybe if I had, I probably would have said no. But I stood up in that meeting at the end and I raised my hand, tears streaming down my face and I just went, God, if there's any way that I can be involved in what she's talking about, then I'm, I, yes, take me, use me, everything I have is yours, Lord. Which is a really dangerous prayer, prayer yes. to pray. Yes, but, but it's, it's kind of offering yourself to the Lord, isn't it? And yeah. it's that surrender of saying, Lord, I'm up for this. Yeah. But how did, what were the next few steps? Because they must have been the hardest, the yes. first few. Yeah, everybody, when you tell this story, people go, oh, and you know, and then the following week, no, 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 five years. Literally five years of, of praying, of believing. We had a small group of volunteers who all together, we just had this vision that we could open a home in the UK. And uh, it was an independent British charity. At the same time, uh, my sister, who's 10 years younger than me, so she was 15 at the time, so I was in my mid uh, I was married, had my own home, she lived 100 miles away, and she'd got into a lot of trouble. Her behaviour was deteriorating, and my parents, bless them, all they had as a reference was rebellion. She's walking away from God, she's, you know, she's got in with the wrong crowd, and so there was three years from the age of 12 to 15 where she just changed. Um, and my parents rang me one day and said, look, we can't keep her here anymore. The, her behaviour has become so destructive. She's getting kicked out of school. Maybe if she comes and lives with you for a few years um, uh, in Bradford, where there was a strong youth ministry in our church, you know, getting her away from that crowd, maybe that will really help her. And my immediate response was, no, <laughs> really, I don't want a dysfunctional teenager in my house. And then I remembered the prayer, that prayer I prayed. And I didn't realise then that the first home I would ever open would be my own. Your own home. And the first young woman I'd ever come across would be my own sister. Yeah, so when you said yes to the Lord, the Lord says, OK, start with your own family. Start with, start here, start with your own home. Start with opening up that bedroom that you think is going to be for the baby that's coming and your new stage of life. When you said, you know, I give you everything, I hold everything open, did you not also mean the way you think the next stage of your life should look like? And so when I prayed that prayer, I had, you know, multitudes of nameless, faceless young women that I could help in my mind. I didn't realise it would be one and that she'd Absolutely. be my own sister. And then you discovered that her behaviour was because of a trauma that yes. she'd experienced. Yes, it wasn't rebellion. It wasn't no. walking away from God or backsliding. It was trauma, it was abuse. And she'd been abused from the age of 12 to 15. And realising that it was the first time I ever saw what Christian brokenness looks like, because it's different. Because for her, it wasn't just 
the trauma that she'd been through and the abuse that she'd suffered, it was where was God in that. So for her, she needed a place to go to figure out, well, where, what, what happens when you've been told all your life that God is your saviour, your redeemer, your rock, your rescuer. And then when you experience trauma and you know God, then there's a real um, disconnection between who you've been told God is and who you can see him to be in your own life. And she really needed, that's what she needed uh, help with. And that's where Mercy comes in. So you helped her and she discovered healing. She actually was the first young woman from the UK to be accepted onto the programme <laughs> in America. Because we weren't, like I said, it took us five years. Yes. We weren't anywhere near opening anything here. So she went along to America, the first girl, trailblazer that she still is. And um, she was there for seven or eight months and then came back and I realised then that Mercy wasn't just a good idea, this was a God idea. I saw what happens when someone is allowed to express their feelings towards God, to be angry at God and have a safe place to process the, the difficulties that people experience in life with God at the very centre of it. And the great thing, Ariana, is that you saw it transform your own sister. Yes. So that really inspired Absolutely. you. If, if God can do it with my sister, he can do it with anyone. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. what happened then? Well, um, still lots of prayer, fundraising, trying desperately to make it happen in our own strength. But obviously, anything that God wants to happen always takes you way outside of your comfort level, of your control level, of the things you can make happen yourself. And one of the key aspects of running an organisation like like Mercy is learning to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And I so, love that, yeah. learning to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yes. That's finding, very finding profound. comfort in discomfort. It, it, it is. It's just one of those things I've learned, and uh, it happened to be that Nancy came back over and she spoke at a women's conference called Cherish, and in in the uh, congregation was a woman who represented a Christian trust fund. She came forward and identified herself and said, "I think we can help you establish something here in the UK," and we uh, applied for the funding and within a few months were given enough money to purchase a home in Yorkshire. Uh, and that, as they say, is how it all started. So then you started welcoming uh, women into your home. Yes. And what, what was the programme? Well, it was a six month programme um, and it, it was, it, it's, it's <laughs> We now actually have it in a workbook, which I'll talk about sure. in a moment, but it was six months of um, the key principles to freedom. So forgiveness, healing life hurts, renewing your mind, really establishing how someone has come to where they are and then how we can help move them forward into healing and transformation through the, the biblical principles that God has given each of us to be able to overcome the difficulties of all of our lives. And for all those years, we ran the home, like you said, 350 young women going through going it through. over the course of that time. We did um, a research project at 10th anniversary and 63%, uh, it was independent. We paid for it for someone to come in and kind of measure the success of the programme uh, and, and how, um, you know, the efficacy of it really. And so 63% of our graduates said that without going to Mercy, they would have been not alive today. Yes. Uh, we had 94% of them saying that they no longer felt low or um, depressed or were more able to deal with the challenges of their everyday life. So we know that what we were doing in that home 
works. And we became convinced that it needed to be for more than just the few. We had in our hearts, this needs to be for the multitude. There's a lovely story when you needed, uh, is it £12,000 in order to pay the salaries? Oh. Tell us that story. Oh, it was, it was back in the early days. I think the first three years of Mercy were my Mercy journey and my journey of trying to step into that level of faith you need to be able to see God do those kind of things. And we were £12,000 short. And by short, I mean we had £500 in our bank account and we needed to pay a bill of £12,000. And I decided that we were going to do what people do when they're panic praying, is I gathered everyone together. We are going to, on Wednesday night, we are going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to storm heaven. We're going to stand on the word. We're going to write out all the scriptures about God's provision and financial and all those things that we do, like to try and get heaven's attention. And um, I was ready to go. I was driving on my way to the meeting and I felt God say to me, I don't want you to talk, uh, to pray about the money tonight. And I was like, what? So money is incidental to me. I want you to pray and intercede and storm heaven and stand on the word and do all the things that you've been doing, that you've been doing for the money. I want you to do it for the young women that are in the home right now. I want you to do it for the residents. And I was like, well, money's not incidental to me. I can't sleep at night. I've got heart palpitations. I'm like sweating, thinking I need to pay this. But I've known God long enough to know that when he tells you to do something, the best thing is sure. just do it. Trust. Trust. So I got to the meeting. Everyone's ready with their scriptures about financial provision. And I said, we're not praying about the money tonight. We're praying for each resident. And we wrote all the girls' names out. We prayed through each one. And we, we, the presence of God was so strong. And then the following morning, there was a knock on my office door. And one of the residents is standing there with an envelope in her hand. And she says to me, God's been speaking to me for three months about my security being in my savings. And, he's, and I know it's cost 12,000 pounds for me to be here. And so I want to pay for the person who comes after me. And she handed me a cheque for £12,000. At which point I lost all my professional decorum, <laughs> yes. cried buckets on her shoulders and said, you will never know what you have just done for me. And that stepped me into a level of faith that I hadn't previously achieved. And that became a foundation for me to go, keep going back to of remembering what God can do when you're obedient. Incredible. T tell us one or two stories that come to mind, Ariana, of the girls, what, over 350 have been through the home. Uh, in what ways did it transform them? Well, in lots of different ways. For many, it was... Um, and, and this is one of the things we, we have to be clear about. Mercy isn't the end. So it's not like mercy's the breakthrough and that's the end. Mercy is a breakthrough, but it's the beginning. Yes. You know, you need, you need breakthrough and you need walkthrough. We need both to go hand in hand. And what Mercy provided for all of those women is an opportunity to set themselves up for success. So not they're, they're coming in at minus and they leave at zero. So there's still work yeah. to be done after they leave. So it's not like they leave a completed, transformed person. Hey, isn't this brilliant? Mercy was a step along the way. Uh, an important one and one where they learn tools, but they have to then keep building and keep putting into practice what they've learned at Mercy. Yeah, I love that phrase that you use, breakthrough and walkthrough. Yeah, yeah, they go um, hand in hand. They do go hand in hand. And, yeah. and sometimes uh, we talk about breakthrough, but we don't 
talk about walkthrough. No, because we don't want to. What we want is the miracle. We want the breakthrough moment of of God coming in his power and us sitting passively and waiting and him, you know, waving his hand over whatever it is that we feel needs fixing. And then we're done and we're fixed and we can go on and leave this, lead this perfect life. When in reality, actually, God invites us into a partnership, into a process, which we continue for the rest of our lives. That's the walkthrough. And so the, that, that sense that we can sometimes have in church life of, I'll go forward for prayer and that will fix everything. You can have breakthrough. I've seen, I've seen uh, people's addictions leave them in an instant. But the reason why they're addicted doesn't change. No. So unless no. they walk through and use that breakthrough moment as the beginning of a journey, and now let's walk, work on the reasons why you were addicted in the first place, then it's going to come back. It's in, in maybe not the same form, but they're going to end up back at square one. So it's really, you know, for me, that's a really important aspect of understanding our journey as people in transformation and wholeness is that it, it's a lifelong commitment. It is a lifelong. And part of that, you've created this wonderful re resource, uh, Keys to Freedom. Tell us about this, Ariana. So that was launched in 2017, and it really came out of that sense I spoke about, you know, wanting to, to see what was happening inside the home put into the hands of the multitudes. And so we developed that resource. It's an eight-week workbook that you can just do as an individual with a pen, a Bible, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you work through it 20 minutes a day, five days a week. And it really does take you on a journey. Um, to deepen your relationship with God, with yourself, and then with others around you. What are the keys to freedom? Well, the keys to freedom are first and foremost, our commitment and connection to Christ. That is the master key out of all the keys, your personal relationship with Christ. Do you recognize the voice of God for yourself? Do you know how he communicates to you? Are you able to sit quietly and meditate and really be able to sense the presence of God so that you're not always using someone else's revelation of who sure. he is have you got your own who do you say that he is step one what did you say was was the title commitment and uh, connecting and committing to christ yeah, that is so important isn't yeah. it and then that leads on to uh, renewing your mind renewing so, your mind yes or well, this is you know the world likes to call it cognitive behavior therapy uh, but god got there first in the word when he talks about take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So unpack that for us. Okay. What does that mean? That means when you have a belief system that says, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'll never make it, um, those are not God's thoughts about you. They're your thoughts about you. And they're there for a reason. They're there because perhaps somebody told you that, perhaps you've been through experiences in life that have taught you that. So you have a belief system that says, I am not worth it, I can't do this, I'm unable, I am a failure. Well, make that obedient to Christ, meaning what does Christ say about you? Well, Christ died for you on the cross. You are worth what he says you're worth. You're his daughter, you're his son, you, you are, you are co-heir with Christ. So there's I am statements all in the back of this book where you replace the I am a failure or I am worthless with I am and then the scripture of what he has said, you are. And then you go through a process. It's not a magic brainwash. This is process. This is every time you think, or you say to yourself, see, I'm a failure. I did it again. No, God says I am. Yeah, and, and actually don't speak that over yourself. Yeah. Because it's destructive. It is. 
It is. So, but you can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You have to fight thoughts with words. So if you were to have all these thoughts in your head, like a constant train of thought, the only way to really intercept that is to speak out. Connecting with Christ, renewing the mind, and then that leads on to... Choosing to forgive. One of the most important keys to freedom is learning the tools of forgiveness. Uh, lots of people preach about it, but the misconceptions of forgiveness are vast. Lots of people think that someone has to apologise before you can forgive them. People think that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. So really teaching people what forgiveness is and how to forgive. Yes. And again, it's not a one-off. It is a constant, it's like a pair of scissors. Once you learn how to use scissors, you will use scissors for the rest of your life for big things and for small things. Yes. And that's the same as forgiveness. Once you learn what forgiveness is and how to use it in your life, you will use it every day of your life. Um, and we're really passionate about helping people um, access those kind of tools. And, and also, would you agree, Ariana, that uh, we don't realise how destructive unforgiveness is? That's right. And it's actually quite toxic It's very in toxic, us. yeah. And, People also don't realise that even if they've forgiven all the people who've offended them or hurt them, if you don't also forgive yourself, um, it's still the same toxic substance. You know, it's the same ill effect that it has on the inside of you if you're holding unforgiveness towards yourself. If you're, if you like, if only I wish I had, uh, you know, if I, you know, if I hadn't have done that or if I had have done that. So those are really important things to teach people. You know, yes. you can't just, it's not just about forgiving others. It's no. also about forgiving yourself and sometimes even releasing forgiveness to God, which is yeah. an interesting yes. concept because God is perfect. He has done nothing wrong. So why would we need to forgive him? Well, perception is reality. If you feel like my sister felt that she she was, God did not intervene in her trauma, didn't stop it, didn't, didn't rescue her out of it um, in the way that she thought she, he should have, there was a lot of anger towards God in her. And the forgiveness section of the program that she went through was absolutely vital in restoring her relationship with God. Yes, yes. So, yeah, and, and, and receiving God's forgiveness. Yes, absolutely. And forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. Connecting yeah. with God, renewing the mind, forgiveness, yeah. Yeah. leads on to, what's the next healing one? Healing life hurts. So receiving healing. So usually during the forgiveness journey, this is a divine exchange. So you give God the bitterness, the anger, the hurt, the pain, the, the betrayal, uh, the confusion, and you receive. What, what can we receive from him? And he always, he never leaves us empty-handed. So when we give to him, when we release forgiveness, when we release those, those things to him, there's a moment of empty-handedness and then wait, and he will give you a divine, he'll give healing, he'll give hope, he'll give joy, he'll give uh, transformation and restoration. Uh, so there's just teaching people to sit still long enough to actually receive as well and not just give, give, give without receiving. And then that will lead on to... Uh, generational patterns. Go so recognising that we are a product of all that's gone before. And that's a psychological, uh, you know, concept as well, that there's a cycle of destruction. So if we're raised in certain households, certain cultures, certain uh, atmospheres and behaviours, we learn. 
And so when we are then presented with challenges, we're more likely to use the same coping mechanisms we were taught or modeled uh, in our own life. So really recognizing that when you uh, become a Christian, you are part of a new family. There's new blood flowing through your veins. And to just disconnect from what was passed down, uh, but also recognizing that there's great things that have been passed down. So the, the, the workbook doesn't just focus on the negative um, patterns of destruction, but also some of the things that were given to us that are really um, helpful and that we can celebrate. And then what do you put on top of that? What? Then on top of that, we have uh, using your authority in Christ. So this really is about, this is about the staying free. So when you know who you are in Christ, when you've gone through that journey of um, connecting to him, you recognize his voice, you are working through some of the root issues, through renewing your mind, forgiveness, breaking free from the patterns of, of the past, and then you really understand who you are and the authority that he's given us, and you learn to apply that in your everyday situations, you pray differently. You pray with an authority, you pray with a with what does heaven say about this so I can align myself with heaven's truth and declare and decree and really stand in who I am instead of the kind of prayers that I used to pray before I had this sort of revelation myself of please God, if it if it be your will, I think I can ask this. This sort of almost apologetic coming with, you know, a small whatever to God saying, please, can I have instead yeah, of realizing lacking confidence. lacking confidence, you know, instead of boldly approaching the throne of grace and, and knowing that we can hold our heads up, that when God looks at us, he sees Christ, he sees our righteousness in Christ. Um, in that relational aspect, I can ask my father for different things in a different way than I would ask someone who is I don't have a close relationship with. Declare and decree. Yes. I love that. Ariana, this is honestly, I feel like you've just given us here uh, on the programme a mini, <laughs> a mini course on this. So what's the best way um, for people to access this and to do this course? Just go on to mercyuk.org and you can, it's £12. So you can do it on your own. Do it on your own. But it's better if you do it in a group. It For some you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. If you if you're doing it by yourself and you need support, you can always get in, in touch with our team. If you are doing it in a group, then we would suggest somebody in that group is trained by us to become a facilitator, and that's free of charge. So Brilliant. we would happily train any church leader or pastoral team, life group leaders, cell group leaders, youth group Whoever. leaders. We're there to help. Ariana, I love the fact that you've. Uh, created this, you've modelled it, you've seen it work in over 350 girls, and you're now saying, hey, actually, these principles can be used by anybody. And let's, let's help and heal so many other wounded uh, servants of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Ariana, you are an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. That was truly inspiring. Keys to freedom. Can I add my encouragement to you as an individual or a home group, small group or a church? Let's take these principles, let's engage with them uh, and let's, let's press on in our own journey of faith. Thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Canon. 
please join us again. Many people have many questions about Jesus. Who was he? What did Jesus teach? Why was it necessary for Jesus to die on the cross? Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? What is it that Jesus can offer us today? How do we know that Jesus Christ is the truth? If you want to know what Jesus said, why he said it, and how we know he's the truth, pick up a copy of Jesus Christ, the truth. Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com.